there. This is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. Today I want to look at the cross. Of all the symbols that point to Christianity, the most recognised is the cross. It sits atop the vast majority of churches all around the world and is carried by many Christians as a brooch, a bracelet, or on a chain around their wrist or neck. The cross is so synonymous with Christianity that it is accepted as the Christian symbol by everyone in the world, whether Christian or not. In fact, if anyone were to suggest that worship of the cross or the use of the cross as a symbol of Christianity is wrong, they are immediately labelled as an heretic or are speaking the words of heresy. This is how deeply ingrained the symbolism of the cross is in Christian teachings and perceptions. But there are some parts of the broad church who do not accept the symbolism of the cross. They argue strongly that the cross is not and should not be a symbol of the church. There is no question that Jesus died and that he was nailed up onto something made of wood, but there are questions as to whether it was shaped as a cross. No one knows for certain that Jesus died on a cross. And if that is the case, then should the cross be the symbol of Christianity? To answer this question, we need to gain some insight from the scriptures, as well as looking at the historical origins of the cross. There are scholars, far more learned than I, who have looked at the sign of the cross to try to identify its origins. An excellent reference that goes into some considerable detail can be found in Alexander Hislop's book, The Two Babylons. One full section is devoted to the sign of the cross, looking at the origins of the cross, and it is evident from his work that the cross predates Christianity by thousands of years. The cross was one of the signs of the pagan god Tammuz, and the cross was worn around the neck on necklaces by the Vestal Virgins of pagan Rome hundreds of years before Paul came to Rome to preach Christianity. Furthermore, we're told in Hislop's work that the cross did not even appear as a symbol of Christianity until the middle of the 3rd century. It appears to have been introduced into the early church after all of those who had witnessed the life of Christ and the earliest apostles had died. This is some of what Hislop wrote regarding the appearance of the cross into the church. Now this pagan symbol, the cross, seems first to have crept into the Christian church in Egypt and generally into Africa. A statement of Tertullian about the middle of the 3rd century shows how much by that time the church of Carthage was infected with the old leaven. Egypt especially, which was never thoroughly evangelised, appears to have taken the lead in bringing in this pagan symbol. The first form of that which is called the Christian cross, found on Christian monuments there, is the unequivocal pagan Tor, or Egyptian sign of life. Let the reader peruse the following statement of Sir G. Wilkinson. A still more curious fact may be mentioned respecting this hieroglyphical character, the Tor, that the early Christians of Egypt adopted it in lieu of the cross, which was afterwards substituted for it, prefixing it to inscriptions in the same manner as the cross in later times. For though Dr. Young had some scruples in believing the statement of Sir A. Edmonston, that it holds that position in the sepulchres of the great oasis, 
I can attest that such is the case and that numerous inscriptions headed by the tour are preserved to the present day on early Christian monuments. The drift of this statement is evidently this, that in Egypt, the earliest form of that which has since been called the cross was no other than the crux and satyr, or sign of life, borne by Osiris and all the Egyptian gods, that the answer, or handle, was afterwards dispensed with, and that it became the simple tall or ordinary cross as it appears at this day, and that the design of its first employment on the sepulchres therefore could have no reference to the crucifixion of the Nazarene, but was simply the result of the attachment to an old and long-cherished pagan symbol, which is always strong in those who, with the adoption of the Christian name and profession, are still to a large extent pagan in heart and feeling. This and this only is the origin of the worship of the cross. You can find that in the two Babylons, chapter 5, section 6, and you can look it up on the internet at www.biblebelievers.com slash Babylon slash secht56.htm. So in later times, the use of the cross in churches other than Roman Catholicism waned considerably after the Reformation that began with Martin Luther. Many of the Reformed churches did not use the cross as a symbol at all, and even the Anglican Church did not revive the use of the cross until relatively recent times. Note these words from the online Encyclopedia Britannica. After the 16th century Protestant Reformation, the Lutherans generally retained ornamental and ceremonial use of the cross. The Reformed churches, however, resisted such use of the cross until the 20th century, when ornamental crosses on church buildings and on communion tables began to appear. The Church of England retained the ceremonial signing with the cross in the rite of baptism. Since the mid-19th century, Anglican churches have witnessed a revival of the use of the cross. And you can find that at www.britannica.com topic cross-religious-symbol. If the use of the cross does not go back into the earliest part of the Christian church, and if it has only come into general acceptance in relatively recent times in the Protestant churches, then we need to gain a better perspective on this issue. At a minimum, it would appear that the symbolism of the cross has not been as all-pervading in Christianity as we would tend to believe today. So in order to gain more understanding, we need to look at the scriptures. What does the Greek say? By referencing the scriptures in their original source, or as close as we can get to the original Greek, we gain our first insight. Almost all modern English and other modern translations of the New Testament say that Jesus died on a cross. The basis of this is that the original Greek texts during the Dark Ages were translated from Greek into Latin, and the word used was crux, which translates into English as cross. However, the word in Greek that was translated into Latin as crux was storos, which is more accurately translated as a stake or a stick. Based on this alone, we should discount the possibility that Jesus may have died on a cross. The Greek text certainly suggests something quite different, specifically that he was nailed to a post or a stake. Given this misinterpretation of the word storos as cross rather than stake, it seems most likely that Jesus did not die on a cross. But what other scriptures are there? Paul gave us another insight when he was speaking to the Galatians church regarding matters of the law and freedom from law. He said this, 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Those who live under the law live under a curse, but Jesus took that curse upon himself by dying in the fashion that he did. Paul shows that he was hung up on a tree, which certainly suggests he was hung on a structure of wood, but that does not mean the wood was in the form of a cross rather than a stake. In this verse, Paul was quoting from Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 and 23. What is interesting is that the Hebrew word translated as tree in that scripture is often translated as a number of other words. In the King James Version of the Bible, this Hebrew word pronounced as 80s is translated as tree, wood, timber, stick, gallows, staff, stock, plank, stalk, and helve. All of these indicate something made of wood, but none of these suggest a cross. In fact, most of these possibilities suggest a straight piece of timber. It is clear that it was necessary for Jesus to die in this fashion, that is, to be hung up or nailed to a structure of timber so that this curse could be fulfilled and we could be redeemed from the curse of the law. But the prophecy does not state it had to be a cross or any other particular form or structure. It was death upon the tree, that is, wood or timber, that was important for the sake of the removal of the curse of the law. Now, I'm going to end there today. Next time when I come back, we're going to have a look at worshipping the cross. So that's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless.